Good afternoon. I'm shifting gears from what's been going on the last three days to uh, a new group of faces. So I may be a little slow. Uh, I'd like to begin with a guided meditation. In my tradition of Buddhism, which is a uh, branch of so-called Theravada Buddhism, mainly, and my teacher was lived in southern Thailand, which is culturally different than other parts of Thailand. And he was unique in a number of ways. So we can speak about big traditions, but in each one there's a lot of diversity. Anyway, within the strands of Theravada Buddhism that have been my, given my, provided my foundations in Buddhism. The meditative practice of mindfulness with breathing is an important meditation system. So for a start, I'd like to borrow from what is a quite large systematic meditation system and I'll borrow a few pieces to share with you now and then from that uh, see where things go. Please arrange yourselves on chairs and cushions. If whatever you're sitting on, feel the bones in your buttocks and feel your cushion or chair through your buttocks. If you're an experienced horse rider, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not, but my wife is. It's very similar, actually. And when you're in touch with those bones in each buttock, let that area relax because there's often a lot of tension down there. And from that area relaxing, imagine a softening and relaxation moving down into your thighs, down into your lower legs, your calves, 
all the way down into the arches and soles of the feet. And through our buttocks and feet, if we're on chairs, also knees, if we're kneeling or cross-legged, feel contact with the earth. There may be a floor but further down is earth. And the floor shares with earth the property of solidity. This is, of course, not completely solid, but hopefully the floor won't be moving much in the next hour and we're not in a place prone to earthquakes. So for our purposes, it's solid enough to contact that solidity to give us a foundation for the next half hour. from the buttocks upward imagine a gentle rising energy the way a cloud might float in the sky Let this upward buoyancy, which is more of an attitude, it's not using muscles, it's an attitude or an energy rather than feeling heavy and droopy or tired and weary. Allow a gentle internal buoyancy to hold the upper body upright, not tight and rigid, rather relaxed and buoyant. And here we sit between heaven and earth. This is the human realm.
here between the sky and the earth. We breathe like trees, birds, moss, squirrels, breathing beings. Please bring attention to the living breath. The breath of life that in Hebrew is called Hrua, in India is called Prana, in China, Chi, in Thailand, Lom, in Latin, Spirit. in a relaxed, comfortable way. Notice any movements and sensations connected with breathing, whether they're in the chest or the belly the back, the throat, sinuses, or nose. Open your natural sensitivity to the flow and sensations of breathing in and out. With the exhalations, allow them to empty in a natural, comfortable way without forcing or hurrying. nor holding on and artificially prolonging. 
simply allow exhalations to release. which is calming, relaxes tension, anxiety, and other forms of reactivity. Please notice how it feels physically when a breath relaxes and exhales naturally without you having to do anything. The breath exhales itself. When exhalations empty and release naturally, there's a space for inhalations to flow inward and downward. Follow this flow of breath, of life, not only inward to the lungs, the whole movement drops downward into the abdomen.
and did some point which varies quite a bit from person to person, it will feel full. Feel that point as you experience it where the inhalation feels complete. And, and rest there, that is, awareness rests until the exhalation begins. For the next few minutes, with each inhalation, as it reaches that feeling of fullness or completion, gently nudge it downward just a little bit, not outward in front of you, but downward towards the center of the body. A bit of effort, but gentle, without straining, So the flow of breath expands. And then follow the exhalation 
as it flows up and out. After a while of gently massaging the breath so that it deepens, we may find we're comfortable 
with slower, deeper, fuller breathing. You needn't continue with the consciously deeper breathing for a long time, but five or ten minutes is perfectly safe and often quite helpful. But now to conclude, just let the breathing breathe itself. Awareness rides the breathing. Not quite the same as breathing, but not necessarily different. Awareness sensitive and intimate with breathing in and out. Experiencing life replenishing itself. Awareness expands to take in the body sitting and then opening to this space, other bodies, human and otherwise, and 
the uh, friends who are gathered here. According to the early Buddhist teachings, Buddha declared that mindfulness with breathing that one has cultivated and made much of has great fruit and great benefit. Made much of means regular and consistent practice. Of course, there are many forms of meditation available to us. Mindfulness with breathing is one with a rich pedigree within Buddhism though to some extent it's been supplanted by later techniques and approaches. So it's up to each of us to find which meditation systems and approaches are most suitable for us. And of course, you don't have time to try them all out because there are hundreds. So it's partly what I'll call it faith, uh, fate, I mean, fate. I don't even know what fate is, but it's a fuzzy enough term for my purposes. It's partly what we're exposed to when I first learned to meditate in Thailand, it was to meditate with breathing. And then when I went to visit the monastery of the monk who became my teacher, or actually I became his students, a better way to put it, then I learned a sophisticated and systematic approach that goes way beyond just pay attention to your breathing. It starts with paying attention to the breathing. But if you keep going into that, it uh, fascinating things open up. And that's what Buddha referred to as having great fruit and great benefit. One of the fruits and benefits is when we hang out with breathing on a regular basis, and learn to relax and don't try too hard. Often Americans, um, 
I'm not a regular in this part of the country. I was raised in the Midwest, and I'm back living there after 20 years in Asia. But from what I know, we're, it doesn't matter what part of this uh, crazy country we're living in, there's things that seem to be shared. In one is we often try too hard. Can get away with that in certain areas until you have a heart attack. Uh, it's not so useful in meditation. So it's one of the lessons. It's not that you don't try, but we learn to try in a relaxed way without medication. So um, that in itself can be a big learning process. When we can just sit and breathe, we may begin to experience breaths or breathing that just happens naturally. Naturally means you are totally unnecessary. Now, most of you don't want to hear that. We want to believe we're important, we're necessary. The world goes round and round me. Without me, does anything matter? Of course, I'm speaking to the self-serving, egoistic you. not the deeper awareness my teacher spoke of as you are the you that isn't really you. It just seems to be you. And then we keep uh, holding on to that appearance, that seeming, because it, it feels solid and safe. But we don't look too close because it ain't that solid and safe, despite all the propaganda we recycle. Of course, we should be compassionate for ourselves and others because there's so many forces that tell all of us some of the time and some of us, much of the time, you're not important. You're not rich enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not sexy enough. You're not this or that enough. Of course, all of that's rubbish driven by greed, hatred, and delusion but we've lived with it since we were kids, and to some extent, or a large extent, we've 
internalized it. So let's be compassionate for that somebody who wants to be important. But when we're able to just sit and breathe, there may be moments when that need to be important, need to be the center of things, of the family, of gossip at the water cooler, however we try to be somebody important, however we try to feel valuable, instead of just trusting we're already valuable, we don't need to try. When we can relax and let that stuff slough off, we might experience what I call breathing without a breather. The propaganda that we've internalized believes I'm necessary for things to happen. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Can't trust the damn government, of course. Or if you have my politics, you can't trust the corporations. And that could be expended into many institutions and what have you, which are collective, bigger ego constructs that in many ways resemble our particular personal ego constructs. When we let that take a break, when we have the compassion and courage to let that propaganda, even if it seems to be me propagating it, if we let that relax and take a break, we might experience a breath that just happens and happens just fine without anybody needing to make it happen. And if we learn to rest in this breathing without a breather, it becomes a relief. much better than tax relief or pain relief or all the propaganda that politics and pharmaceuticals and all that are trying to sell us, often not for our benefit. The breathing's not that kind of entity that's trying to profit from us. 
although it requires a body to breathe. It's just body living and awareness that's in our form of life inseparable from body. Even neuroscience talks about this more and more. Our body-mind distinction, though, of relative value for looking into certain things, when you really go deeper, it's impossible to separate mind and body because in experience they're both happening together. And when awareness allows itself to be intimate with breathing, and the breathing just breathes, we experience a taste of what Buddhism calls emptiness. Emptiness in Buddhism is just this. To be empty or free. The word empty in many ways means free. To be empty and free of the somebody who thinks it needs to be in control, running the show, making things happen, which is also the somebody who's got the headaches, the burdens, the stress, the bills. Um, the car to wash, the dishes to clean, that somebody usually is telling us all the good stuff that supposedly required somebody. Somebody usually, but there's all that fine print. <laughs> oh, by the way, don't forget, pay your taxes, take out the garbage, um, watch out for drunk drivers and uh, cancer. Things like that. People with guns, especially the irresponsible, angry ones. Breath that just breathes. Awareness that is aware in a simple, immediate way can taste emptiness. We don't have to be ordained or have passed through elaborate initiations. Those may have a place if our path goes in that direction. But as long as we can sit still for a little while and breathe, we can taste emptiness and freedom. 
And we can't just sit and breathe forever. One, eventually we'll fall asleep. Two, we might have to go to the bathroom at some point. We might have to take a bath. Oh yeah, and there's the floors to sweep or some food to cook. Because after 40, 50 days of just breathing, you're going to have to eat or you decide, I think I'll breathe in a more permanently supine manner and uh, breathe with the worms and the bacteria and the fungus and become, what's it called? Not hummus. What's the word? Humus. <laughs> Which supposedly has to do with the, or the origin of the word human. At least I think I read that somewhere. So we can sit and breathe for a while. It can be beautiful, wonderful, liberating, and taste emptiness. And then we learn how to stand up and walk. And we can find the same emptiness in walking. The same emptiness in going home and doing the dishes or taking a dog for a walk, playing with the grandkids. And if, if one has paid vocation, maybe going to work. Um, is tomorrow a holiday? Okay, so maybe you have to wait to Tuesday to try this out. But some of us don't get to wait. For me, it's getting on airplanes. The same emptiness we can taste in breathing without a breather can be found in all life's activities especially if they're wholesome ethical activities. Buddhist practice offers many, many, many tools and perspectives to help make that possible. Generosity. If you're going to work on Tuesday, Go to work with the spirit of generosity and sharing. It's closer to emptiness than waiting for a paycheck or watching the clock. There's no emptiness in watching the clock. It's just long, tedious frustration because there's somebody watching the clock. Don't believe me if you catch yourself watching the clock. See if it's suffering. 
why not do something useful? And I don't mean play a computer game, though I'm a sucker for them. That's part of my addictive uh, tendencies. There are many practices, kindness, compassion practices, which are other ways to create opportunities to touch emptiness. Whatever facilitates this, whether breathing, bowing, generosity, service, compassion, study. We learn to bring, bring at least a taste of emptiness to these, a taste of liberation, And awareness of emptiness grows. It can be part of each day. At first, maybe a few moments when we remember to pay attention. It helps if we know how to be still, slow down once in a while. If we run around like we're on speed or too many lattes, it's hard. I, well, I drink flat whites now and Americanos when I can, but I've cut back <laughs> so that I'm able to take pauses. And even old cliches like smell the roses or whatever kind of trees you've got around here. And you can smell the dog poop too, whatever's available. It's, it's all an opportunity for just being here and reconnecting with emptiness. To the egoistic mind, these things sound crazy, foreign, don't make sense. Of course, all of this is designed to understand, undermine the ego assumption, the ego habit, the ego will go on and on with its propaganda. And by the way, it's not one ego. Even that's a delusion. It's not like it's the same ego that wakes up every day. The egos that are semi-addicted to commuter, computer games that's not the same ego that's driving to work or 
playing with the cat or gardening or screaming at the TV because some politician we don't like just said something we found outrageous or whatever. As we find glimpses and tastes of emptiness, we begin to notice the gaps between what we can call ego rebirths. And we start to notice how ego reincarnates over and over again. And if we look into that more and more, it turns out it's never quite the same ego. And little by little, we see the cracks, the chinks, the deceptions in the whole ego propaganda trip. Now, I'm not recommending you go to the local mall and set up a booth and try to educate everybody. You might try it and see what happens, but you could get arrested because you're undermining the system. But we can move in the world, in society, in our families, in ways that don't harm, that aren't driven by greed, hatred, delusion, fear, shame, guilt, pride, and let people notice that. Years ago, when the first time I visited the States as a Buddhist monk, I was um, staying at a place not far from my parents in the Chicago suburbs. And I was asked to give a talk every evening, and one evening my mom came. She and my dad had already been to Thailand for the second time. First, I was in Peace Corps, second time. He hasn't come home yet. We better go find out what's going on. So they came and visited at the temple. And um, my mom kind of liked it, a forest monastery beautiful, huge trees and vines, monkeys and birds. Yeah, there were a few cobras and things, but, but they left mom alone. The mosquitoes didn't, but there are mosquitoes in Chicago. Anyway, she came and brought a friend. And afterwards, well, it might have been a few days later at my parents' house, 
my mom's friend was there and she said something that is one of the better compliments I've ever had. And, and she knew nothing about Buddhism except this one visit to the temple and a few things my mom had told her. And I have no idea what my mom told her. But at one point she said, you know, it's kind of nice being around you. You're calm. My name means peace worker. Santi means peace or calm. So I thought that was cool. Maybe I'm living up to the name my preceptor gave me. That's a way we can share the fruits of Buddhist practice with others. Some of us, it's part of our work and service to speak about these things. All of us, though, can share the fruits of practice, the fruits of emptiness, the fruits of non-greed, non-fear, non-anger, non-delusion, non-harming, by just living our lives in ways that allow others to see we, we don't have to live according to these systems that exploit us for the sake of profit, war, and other forms of violence. And even if for whatever reason we're part of those systems, there's no escaping them. Not now, not in the Buddha's time. But we can be in the world without buying into it. And then share our freedom with others. So I was asked to, or invited to share today, that's some sharing that came out. Um, may it be of some use to you, your practice, your lives, your communities. And may, may we all find our forms of service in a society that's suffering immensely. Even though it likes to think of it itself as wealthy and powerful. All the wealth and power is just creating more suffering. Something's backwards. Let's be of service. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.